was the last time a president took responsibility for something that happened during their watch? I have no idea. You know, I'm just so tired of this. I'm sitting here, I was reading up on, you know, the latest shooting and was reading up on it. And it, it was at a bank. It was a disgruntled mm-hmm. employee, right? But, yeah. oh my gosh, there was a rifle used. No, 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 no. That's right. Did not say assault rifle. There was a rifle used. So I went and I was like, okay, you know what? This year is like 100 days old. So I wanted to go and look through all the mass shootings for the year. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see how many of them were using assault rifles. Since that was, that's what we're talking about and that's what everybody was talking about. Want to guess? I don't know. Hmm. What, what do you think the number would be? Close to zero. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 And not only that. But you ready for this? Mm. So, Tennessee, Republican. Okay. So, that's, that's you know, that's where that started. And then, oh, hold on. But then I had to go and actually look up Kentucky. And so, oh, hey, Democrat. Okay. So, like, stop that. Okay. So, I have Kentucky, Democrat. Tennessee, Republican. California, Democrat. California. Democrat. Virginia. Democrat. Colorado. Democrat. North Carolina. Democrat. Illinois. Democrat. And I can keep going just like this. Because, I mean, I've got Tennessee again. I have Pennsylvania. I I'm just I can keep going down these and it's just like, yeah, more than two times of them are Democrats. So what I'm seeing is that you are twice as likely to be a victim of, you know, a mass shooting if you're in a Democrat state than you are in a Republican state. So I think we should ban Democrats. I think that would go over. Outrage. Well, yeah, because we don't want to blame an entire party for what somebody does, right? Because it's not like the Democrats are blaming Republicans for the shootings, right? Well. (laughs) Oh. Good morning, and welcome to the Stupid Podcast on Everything, where I'm Joey. And I'm Kiki. And we talk about everything. And nothing. All at the same time by people who just hate making sense. So, what do we have in the way of uh, National Days today? Uh, We have two of them. Okay. What's our first National Day? It is National Licorice Day. Okay. (laughs) So National Licorice Day on April 12th each year celebrates licorice in all its forms. It also recognizes its history, health benefits, and distinction around the world. You won't be limited when it comes to licorice either. There are plenty of licorice candies, licorice ropes, jelly beans, jewels, and many others to enjoy. Of course, the designation has evolved as people savor all types and flavors of licorice to celebrate the day. If you're a fan of black licorice and have noticed it makes your tummy feel better, there is a reason. Licorice root can soothe the stomach bothered by heartburn or gastritis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the glycerizic? 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 I don't know. Acid in licorice contains immune-boosting and anti-inflammatory properties that can help to restore balance to the stomach lining. That is definitely something worth celebrating. Grab a few black jelly beans from the candy jar for this holiday. So to observe National Licorice Day, take a world tour taste 
test of licorice. The variety seems endless. Some combinations include salted licorice or chocolate covered licorice. What's your favorite licorice? Or try licorice flavored cookies or ice cream to celebrate the day. Make sure to enjoy some licorice and share your favorite too. A scale of one to ten, where does licorice rate with you? Depends what kind. Black okay. licorice? Black. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think it's been long enough again that I need to taste it. Okay. But uh, I mean, red licorice, <laughs> red licorice isn't really licorice. No, it's not. So it's very much I, not. I, you know, but is not a yeah. Yeah. So, I as much as I do like it, which I will say because I've heard, I've heard so many mixed things from a lot of people. Um, and I'm sure that there is still a crowd of people out there that believe that, uh, red vines and, uh, Twizzlers mm-hmm. are still a debate. Twizzlers are disgusting to me. <laughs> I like, I know it's not an unpopular opinion mm-hmm. day, but mm-hmm. I despise Twizzlers. Like mm-hmm. I cannot stand them. <laughs> I think that they have the texture of like, I just bit into some plastic and the, the flavor isn't much better. They're supposed to taste like strawberry, but that is the fakest strawberry oh, yeah. out of like all the strawberry flavored candies ever, ever at all. And I don't understand yeah. the appeal. It's not good. They get stuck in your teeth if you chew on them for too long. If you decide you're going to suck on them instead, they don't melt. Like, <laughs> so it's like I literally am just eating plastic. And it's ugh. red vines, however, I haven't had red vines in a while. I love red vines like it was one of the things that like movie theater snacks and like i never see them anymore like at Mm. all they're definitely not at this theater yeah (laughs) but i i love red vines my teachers would give them out as like you know some teachers would have like mints some teachers would have the grandma candy some teachers would have smarties or whatever i had teachers that gave out red vines that was my favorite thing ever because yeah no i would raise my hand all the time all the time to answer a question for the hope that they would happen to give one out because you know everybody mm-hmm. else would just they would see that a teacher was handing out candy and then they'd start raising their hand mm-hmm. to answer it no i just always raise my hand Pre-amped. because i always wanted to be the first person Heck yeah <laughs> because my favorite was when when i got older and i was in like the sixth grade that teacher miss roberts i'll never forget her she gave out candy for answering questions but if she was getting no response from the class and she gave a candy to that first person. She would not give out candy to the rest of the people that were answering because she was handing out candy. So I thought that was funny. But yeah, no, I love red vines. And so for the people that consider red vines a licorice, yeah, that's I, I very much enjoy red vines. But black licorice, it's, I don't know. I, I, have, I have to taste it again. I don't remember what it tastes like, in all honesty. I yeah. remember that when you had gotten some uh, candies that were, because you I got didn't the black know. salted uh, licorice, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I genuinely don't remember. Okay. I remember I didn't like it then, but I've, I've, my tastes have changed <laughs> again. So I'm willing to try it again. Well, and this is one of the things that I'm going to help out with here really quick. There are zero medical studies that back any of the claims of any kind of health benefits of licorice in any way, shape, or form. Licorice was used as a traditional Chinese medicine. It was used as, you know, a Native American medicine. It's been used in cultures as, oh, it does all of these things and has any kind of study with it at all have zero plus benefits over a placebo. So... If you don't like the taste of licorice, you are not alone. (laughs) But not only are you not alone, there is nothing medically to back up the claims that licorice helps with your digestion, your acid reflux, your gastroesophageal, um, you know, reflux disease, which is the GED, um, you know, 
they had an eight week somebody had an eight week study in it and it said oh it, it showed lower symptoms and then when you went and looked at the study it was the damn licorice council <laughs> like it was it was nothing really in it it was you know people found that they, they did a GERD um, which is a gastrointestinal uh, reflux disease um, study on it and it you know you can find the information on the National uh, National Library of Medicine and you look at it, it says oh wow it shows that you know it actually helped lower and it says when accompanied with a low calorie restrictive diet so not the low calorie restrictive diet would have been what helped out with the acid reflux people weren't full you know what causes acid reflux for a lot of people eating too much and then laying down mm. it's like because gravity is an important part of digestion in your body and people are like, <laughs> oh, I'm so full. I'm going to go lay down. Oh, why am I getting heartburn? I don't know. Because you're sloshing chewed food up and down your esophageal tract. Go figure. You know, that's the way that it way that it happens. It's like, yeah. So they did an eight week trial to try to say, yeah. So eight week of people who were suddenly watching what they eat. Lowered their their GERD. So. So if you don't like the taste of licorice and I and I will tell you, I don't like the taste of licorice. I had a girlfriend who was holistic and gave I like I had was getting an upset stomach. Um, at one point, I was just stressing really, really bad because uh, it was just coming up on hell week at school. And I was just overwhelmed. I had, you know, eight classes of finals <laughs> that I was just killing myself on. And, you know, what she gave me she gave me licorice tea. It was nasty. I hated it. <laughs> And, it, you know, it really didn't do anything except make me lie about drinking licorice tea. I didn't lie about it. I just would pour it out and be like, oh, yeah, I'm good, honey. That, that's enough. Uh, you know, and I would have enough to that you could smell it on my breath type thing. But ugh, I had a girlfriend that, yeah, that's what she did. And I was like, and nothing. It did nothing. It absolutely <laughs> did nothing. And it's like, so I, I looked it up. I asked you what our national day was. And I was like, mm, we're going to talk about all oh, the medicinal. Because a lot of these studies would say, oh, it may do this. It traditionally been used. Okay, these are marketing buzzwords for that. There is nothing scientific backing this statement. See, I thought that was uh, speaking of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was looking up something because uh, I was the, the biggest thing that, that's hard uh, about things that are new is the, there's no studies to back things up mm -hmm. yet and right now kombucha is like it's big everywhere like everybody's drinking it yeah. all the time now they're coming out with new flavors because they're getting popular mm -hmm. and i'm like excited for me because i know personally it helps but i wanted to learn more about like if it was like all of its benefits besides just having those probiotics in it i i was concerned because i was like you know like i've heard people talk about it like so much and i like i really want to know if it's something that's like worth it as much as I think it is, or mm -hmm. if it's like not really that much of a, a difference. And everything that I was looking up about like immune system with kombucha is mm -hmm. like, there's no, there's no science. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, there have been a couple of studies, but you know, there's nothing really that can like back it up yet. Yep. There's the studies weren't, you know, in all these things. And most of the, uh, studies are on homemade kombucha, which is like if you do it right, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, then you're gonna get sick off of it. And so it's like it is a lot harder for them to be able to like discuss and talk oh, about. Yeah. What you want to know what the Mayo Clinic says about kombucha? 
I can literally tell you specifically what the Mayo, what Mayo Clinic, and I trust Mayo Clinic, right? I really do. But do you want to know what they say? <laughs> sure. Okay. They say supporters claim that, com- that kombucha tea helps prevent and treat heart, uh, health conditions from blood pressure to cancer. But there's limited uh, data on kombucha tea. A small amount of research suggests that kombucha tea may give health benefits similar to probiotic supplements. That's right. Probiotic supplements, which cost one-tenth of the price of the kombucha. For example, some, uh, some research has shown kombucha tea may help support a healthy immune system, which most teas do, and prevent constipation, which, yes, most yeasts do, okay? But there are few, very few, as in zero, valid medical studies of kombucha tea's role in human health. And there are risks that actually become inherent in kombucha tea. A lot of uh, a lot of people, and I and I actually read this one a long time ago, so I always watched to see where like KTs came from. But kombucha tea, specifically, used to be made in ceramic pots. Mm-hmm. A lot of ceramic pots, especially older ones, have lead, and so the lead, because of the fermentation process, would actually leach out into it and would cause lead poisoning. You know, and so you, you know, if you get kombucha tea made from a ceramic pot, you're making it home like that, then yeah. But it's also been shown that it gives that it can um, give stomach upset. It has infections. Some people have allergic reactions. Not only that, but people because there is an amount of uh, a certain amount of alcohol within kombucha, people who are sensitive to alcohol or sensitive to or um, in recovery programs have been known to take kombucha teas, just like people in drug pro- re- rehab programs are known to smoke like a chimney. You know, it's mm-hmm. replacing an alcohol for an alcohol and a drug for a drug. So, you know, the thing about, and, and if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, which I don't plan on being, you know, um, or for people, who, which is really weird if you think about kombucha, oh, this health benefits of kombucha, but it's, it's highly stated that if you have um, any autoimmune system issues, that you should never drink kombucha at all. So, yeah, I, so the things that people claim are healthy, look and see what it is. Because you might be just taking something because you think, oh, it's great for me, and it might not be. And I'll just leave it with, you know, just go look up the actual medical studies of vinegar. That's all. <laughs> and honestly, if you swear by any of these things and you disagree, hey, let us know. I'd love, love to hear it. Otherwise, you know, all good. And uh, yeah, if it makes you nauseous, it's not necessarily good for you. (laughs) So our second national day, Mm -hmm. back on to that, is National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. So each year, National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day on April 12th recognizes one of the top comfort foods in the United States. Why wouldn't it be when we're talking about bread grilled to perfection and warm, gooey, melted cheese? According to food historians, many cultures around the world have enjoyed cooked bread and cheese since ancient times. The United States' modern version of the grilled cheese sandwich originated in the 1920s. As sliced bread and American cheese became easily available, Americans began making open-faced grilled cheese sandwiches. United States government cookbooks describe Navy cooks broiling American cheese-filling sandwiches during Mm -hmm. World War II. Grilled cheese sandwiches are versatile thanks to the ability to mix and match cheeses, bread, and seasonings. Adding sautéed vegetables or herb-infused oils can elevate this simple comfort food to a whole nother level. So to observe Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day, 
Make your favorite version of a grilled cheese sandwich. Share the best cheeses to make grilled cheese. Do you use American cheese or do you prefer Swiss? What's your favorite cheese? Serve it with your favorite soup and sides too. Layer it and make a double-decker sandwich. Um, add ham or bacon for extra flavor and variety. Definitely share what your favorite version is with us. What is your favorite? I don't have one. You just like them all. I I literally change the cheese and <laughs> bread that I use every time that we make it. And I did see something. Uh, it was on Pinterest a while. It was it was a while ago now. I saved it though. Um, and it was a avocado grilled cheese sandwich. And I mm-hmm. don't know why I never thought of doing that before. And I was like mad. <laughs> and then I the next time that we had grilled cheese we didn't have avocado and then i was sad and so now i'm like now that we're talking about it i'm like jonesing for one and i'm gonna i'm looking for it right now (laughs) because i want to i want to remember what it was it sounded so good and i also had uh saved like an entire like sandwich chart so that like i wanted to like make like either take from it or like print that one out so that the girls could actually like tell us when they wanted sandwiches or stuff something like it mm-hmm. what they actually wanted because the amount of times that like they want something and like they don't know what it's called and they're just telling us and yeah it bugs me so i say i had saved a, a sandwich thing yeah garlic avocado grilled cheese sandwich mhm so that looks good yeah no, i want it so bad <laughs> I think I think for me because I've always made so many different kinds of grilled cheese like I was there was a point in time where I was on the quest for the perfect grilled cheese I think the closest I ever came was going to be you know sourdough bread um, definitely butter over olive oil or any spray oil or anything like that but Havarti cheese was always been the the key to that beautiful melt in any grilled cheese sandwich I've ever done. The problem is that I keep sucking them. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know you like, no, you do good, but I, I like, I just, I have such a level of perfection into doing the damn things that if all of the butter isn't grilled perfect, if it's not sitting at the right internal temperature, if it doesn't have the right amount of stretch to it in what I do, I'm just not happy with that grilled cheese um i have thought about some different things uh nikki was talking to me this morning about it um like oh not this morning yesterday morning wow no yeah yesterday morning okay sorry (laughs) was talking to me yesterday yesterday morning about a brie and uh i don't remember what she said but i was thinking like a brie and cranberry um you know uh, grilled cheese sandwich and i thought ooh, that just sounds really good except that I also like really basic grilled cheese sandwiches because what's my favorite accompaniment to a grilled cheese sandwich? Tomato soup. Yeah. I love tomato soup. Absolutely. And it's like, so I don't want to mess with it. I remember you guys loved the last tomato soup I made. Mm-hmm. I made it and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and make it. No worries real quick. And everybody's like, oh, this is so good. Everybody ate that entire pot mm-hmm. of tomato soup over the next day. It was amazing. Yeah. So it's like. And that was a, a, I did what, uh, that was roasted garlic and rosemary and that I had in that and a little bit of basil to it. And it was, but it was still very simple in my mind. It was, it was still very simple in, in, in the way that I did it. I presented it and it, w- it looked just like tomato soup, only it just didn't have the canned flavor that I think people associate with like Campbell's tomato <laughs> soup going, 
it's so good, just the traditional way. And I'm like, you like the taste of can. <laughs> like, no, I don't. Do you like corned beef? Well, yeah. Guess what? It's the same taste. Oh, man. People don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, and I like to add things to it sometimes. I love prosciutto copa. I love, you know, a good salami or something like that in in it. And do you have something else to read? Or, okay. No. Okay. And, I mean, a good grilled cheese sandwich is, is can be amazing. I, I know people who love to put bacon in it, and I know people who love to put ham in their grilled cheese sandwich. To me, that's just, okay, that's a grilled ham and cheese, but that's a different sandwich. But grilled cheese is part of the appeal of grilled cheese is a simplicity. Like most people, if I make a, you know, imitation cheese, white bread grilled cheese sandwich, I can take pe- most people back to their childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like and that's that's part of the joy of it is just being able to actually get somebody no matter how old they are, just to bring them back to their their childhood like that guy in, in Ratatouille, you know, just <laughs> just that one happy memory, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I get it. I get the appeal of grilled cheese sandwiches <sighs> and I absolutely love them. So, you know, let us know what's what's your favorite grilled cheese sandwich What's your favorite memory of grilled cheese sandwiches, because, you know, that's what's important to us. You know, we. We love to think of the things that bring us back to your childhood. Or do you actually have a recipe that you're like, oh, I am going to pretentious your ass off? Love to know that, too. So until then. (laughs) Don't forget to hit that follow button on whatever you're listening from. Like our podcast page on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find all of that in our link tree in the description. And be sure to visit our website. Peace out with your peace out. Bye.